Good morning. Man, what a great day today to worship the Lord. Our prayer today is that we wrap up the series of talking about the presence of God while we hope that that never ends. We know it from Scripture and we claim that in His Word that that never will end. It goes on for eternity. So everything we're talking about today is a moment in time to lift the idea of the presence of God. But before we get into that, I want to say I've been asked lots in the last maybe month. Uh, what are we going to do about the number of people that keep coming to our congregation? And uh, wow, what a blessing from God for sure. But yes, we are talking about it. For the last, uh, maybe three out of the last five Sundays, we've, we've had to add chairs all the way to the doors and uh, prayed that that will continue for sure because we want to make Jesus famous here in Mount Julia. But we are talking about that. Elders are talking about it. Our staff leadership team are talking about it. Our staff are talking about it. Our uh, preschool, our children our student ministry, we're, we're talking about what's next. Um, one of our elders happens to be an architect and helped us get into here in the first place and now going on to phase two, what does that look like? And so we're talking about it. We want you to be praying about it. What is next? Do we knock the wall down here? Uh, do we add another service? Do we uh, build out in the back, making children and student space or um, connecting the hallway all the way down to the other. There's just so many things going on. You be praying that we're wise with what God has given us with resources, uh, both in finances and in people. So um, I pray that you'll lift us up as we discuss that. But I want you to know we are talking about it. Okay, I've been asked that. Are y'all, does anybody notice? Yes, we notice second part of that would be many of us have been blessed over and over again by God and want to invest in this congregation over and above our normal giving. I want to challenge you to give regularly to the fellowship. The opportunity for giving is an act of worship. It's a part of communion with God. But over and above that, to invest in the future for our church. And many of you may be in that position and want to have the opportunity to give, and we want to give you that opportunity. It'll be available on the website probably in the next month. Uh, you can always give in the offering plate. And just be sure to mark that on your offering um, for our building. And you'll be hearing more about that. No, we're not going to have a campaign, so everybody relax. Um, but there are opportunities that we can give and uh, want to give willingly and cheerfully the opportunity to uh, invest in God's work here in Mount Juliet. So I want to share those things with you for a prayer request and for the opportunity uh, for you to be involved directly with what's happening here on this campus of the fellowship. We have a sister campus, if you didn't know, at Two Rivers in Donaldson. And that campus is growing as well. They have about twice the space, the square footage that we have here. So because of that, it's a little bit different in, uh, 
excitement of building, we're not going to have to build there because we have already built out about twice the size of here. But uh, here we're building out a warehouse on the inside. It was a little easier to get in here where we were, and we were tired of setting up in the gym at the Mount Juliet Elementary School. <laughs> and so uh, we find ourselves where we are today, excited about what's happening for the future in our building. If you have your Bible, turn with me, or your iPad, or your phone, or whatever. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We all think that we know what's best for us. We all think that. Or I do. I'll just speak about me. When I pray, when I have a quiet time, when I listen to worship music, and I get inspired, I'm praying to God that He would give me something. Or that I could be noticed. Or that we could come to the place where we have more value tomorrow than we do today. In Scripture, we know that you can't have more value before God than you do today. He loves you so much His Son died for you. There's no more value that you can have. And everything you do for God needs to be in the plan of God. So that brings us to a place that I think we need to launch off the point, the idea, that we don't talk often about what is God's plan for me? What's God's plan for me? We don't talk about that a lot. It's hard to talk about. Because God's plan for each of us is different. The talents, the gifts, the roles we play, the work we have, the family, our path every day, our journey, everything is different about everybody in this room. So it's hard to talk about what God's plan is for me. So I end up talking to God a lot about that plan for me. I, I hope you do. But that plan is assuming the fact that you are a believer and you have faith in what God is going to do through you. And that's where we find ourselves today with David. The idea, what is God's plan for me? See, if we seek counsel and we go, we read scripture, we seek counsel, we go through the process that we think we're supposed to go through, what we've learned over time is best. If we go to yes people, then have we really gained information that we need to move forward with God? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Maybe it's an action. now it's going to be later maybe there's a patience factor involved maybe it's the motivation behind it that's wrong but what is the path is the right way God is more aware than you are of what's God sees things you don't see so because of that he has eternity in mind and not just today at lunch not just tomorrow at work. 
It's way bigger than that. Way bigger than that. So turn with me and follow 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's stand in honor of God's word. When the king had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I'm living in a cedar house while the ark of God sits inside tent curtains. So Nathan told the king, Go and do all that's on your mind, for the Lord is with you. Verse 4. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go to my servant David and say, This is what the Lord says. Are you to build me a house to dwell in? From the time I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today I've not dwelt in a house. Instead, I've been moving around with a tent as my dwelling. In all my journeys with all the Israelites, have I ever spoken a word to one of the tribes of Israel who I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, asking, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? So now this is what you are to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of the armies say, says. I took you from the pasture from tending the flock to be a ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a great name for you like that of the greatest on earth. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not continue to oppress them as they have done ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I'll raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who built a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he does wrong, I'll discipline him with the rod of men and blows from mortals. But my faithfulness, my faithful love will never leave him. And it will, and it, as it did when I removed it from Saul, who I removed from before you. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever. And your throne will be established forever. And Nathan reported all these words and this entire vision to David. Father, today give us your word and your message to each of us. And though that message may be many, I pray that it's specific to the hearts of the listener. Had, be, had me behind the cross. Have this all about you and not about us. For it's your name that we pray. Amen.
Point number one, our plans may not be God's purpose for our life. Our plans may not be God's purpose for, for our life. When I was in student ministry back about 20 years ago, I used this passage in, in a way of uh, people understanding, students understanding that the, the need to consult God before we make plans and why that's so important. And so there's probably three messages in what I just read. Don't worry, we're not, we're not going to be here an hour and a half. But there's probably three messages in this one passage of Scripture because this is full of content. What God wants to do through people becomes evident for those who seek Him. So that's an assumption that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're believing in God and looking at Him through the eyes of Jesus. So because of that, you could kind of, the first part here, you, you could kind of bring it down a little bit and just say the summary, the cliff notes. Because some of y'all, I, I know some of y'all and y'all love cliff notes. The cliff notes are, David, I have a plan. Nathan, go for it. That's cliff notes of one through three. The cliff notes of... Five through seven, God says, Nathan, stop, David. That's not the plan. Nathan, my bad. <laughs> the yes man. The last we looked in Second Samuel 6, over the last several weeks, looking at different parts of David's life, he wanted to move the ark before consulting God of moving the ark. So this is not the first time that something happened like this. This is the second time that he had high aspirations and a goal of what he wanted to do to do something for God. Second time. He didn't learn the first time. This is the second time. David's declaring what he wants to do for God without consulting God. There are parts of this that we could go into a lot of detail, but I think for today, probably the best thing to talk about is two parts here. One is he lived in a really expensive house. Cedar was a, an expensive, valued wood. So his house is made of that. It was an expensive house. In part two, David is appreciative but looks over at God's house and it's a tent. The temple. The temple was something that he wanted to replace with the house of God, the tabernacle. So it was noble. He was trying to do the right thing. There is a, a commentary by Kenneth Chafin that we read over the last several weeks preparing for this message. Quote, Nathan's message to David is a reminder that God's larger purpose isn't always tied to our particular dreams 
Sometimes we try to give ourselves to things that seem right, but which do not reflect God's priority. We're all too bound by the present time and fail to realize that with us as it was with David, God's purpose for our lives reaches into eternity. David had a purpose. It wasn't just to build a house for God. It was to build a place of honor. A place that the people could worship. So it was noble. But God had a, a different plan. God had a plan to build the house of David. A house that would go on, the lineage would go on for generations. His son Solomon is a part of this same story. We know later the son is the one who built the tabernacle. And the parts of what David did to build and prepare were still evident. In fact, quite amazing that God would share something so specific with David. And I don't think David was offended. If you read the scripture, David doesn't sound offended by God. I don't think God was offended at David. Later in the same passage, almost like a poetry, almost a poem. I don't, I don't hear resentment. I hear amazement. Number two, God has no limitations. God is not confined to a box. He's not confined to a church building. He's not confined to a location. We, we learn in, in verses, verses 6 and 7 that He is not contained by space. He doesn't need the space. He owns the space. In fact, He owns everything already. The creation is already God's. So let's take an exit ramp for just a second off the highway. Let's come over here on an exit and then we'll jump back on. I think there's something here that we need to really grab hold of to understand presence in God's purpose. He was the creator of everything. Too many people get caught up in the creation. Too many folks get to worship the creation. I want to caution that we're to worship the Creator. We're worshiping the person in God and Jesus that created it all. What that looks like is so hard for our little mind, or I'll say my little mind. <laughs> I know some of y'all have little minds. No. Our small thinking has a real hard time with this one because when we talk about creation, we're not talking about we took dirt and flour and water and mixed up a potion and we developed this something that dried that became something. No, we're talking about the God who made the dirt out of nothing. 
water out of nothing. The sun from the moon and the uh, it we we think something made from something that we already know of because that's what we think of. What does nothing look like, Lynn? I don't know. It's nothing. I don't know what nothing looks like. It, it it's hard for our mind to to grab hold of, but we're talking about the creator that that created the space we know today. And they knew then. So their little minds were in the same place that ours are. They're trying to figure out how to honor God. God is the one who spoke the mountains into their place. He spoke the water, the oceans into their place. He drew the line where the water and the dirt met each other. He created it all. And then we try to fit it into our mind. And we have a very hard time understanding God spoke something into being from nothing. It didn't exist before. And no component of it ever did either. So, in 2 Samuel 7, when he says, Have I ever spoken a word to the tribes of Israel who I've commanded to shepherd my people Israel, asking, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? It's in the context of he's not limited to what we see and what we do and what we want to do. He's not limited to that. We get it. David's trying to honor God by establishing a place for God to be honored, worshipped, a place to dwell, a place to live. And he wants to build it better than what he has. But God had a different plan. God's plan was to build the dynasty of David for future generations to come. To this point, God never had a place, palace, church on earth, and yet it was still very much God to the people. Psalms 24.1 says, The Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So by Scripture we know it's all God's. We think we have what we own. We think we own it, not God. No, God owns that too. God owns it all. And God proportioned things out to us to be stewards of that. David was trying to recognize that in his life and wanted to honor God with it because of the expensive house he lived in and felt like God needed something better than that. God has no space. It's something much more deep, more valued than that. He lives in the people of God. He lives in the people of God, in the hearts of men and women. So, today... Our theological point for today God doesn't reside here in a building 
You didn't come today to find God technically. If you're a non-believer, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Because maybe you did. Maybe God brought you here for that very reason. If you're a believer, God was with you at work this week. God was with you at home before you came here this morning. God was here when you walked in and God will be with you when you go home and God will be with you tomorrow when you go to work and when you go to school. God lives in the hearts of man. Does he live in you? Number three, God is always at work. Now, God has always been working. He's already been working in your life. He is working in your life today and he is going to continue to work in your life. He is going to work around you and through you and to you. And whether you're evident of it or not, and you observe things or not, doesn't take the issue away that God has work in your life. I want you to think about something for a moment. <clears throat> Where in your life can you clearly point to God working in your life? Maybe it's been past. Maybe it's present. Maybe it's the opportunities that you have been praying about and you see that evident in your life. If you can't see anything about God working around you and to you, maybe you're not a believer. And there's a way to fix that today. There's a study, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And many of you probably have been through it, maybe, hopefully. If you haven't, maybe we'll do that here soon in our congregation. But there's two points in that I want to I make clear today. The crisis of belief is number one. And number two, it's to find God at work and join Him. The first one points to your faith. The crisis of belief. It's, it's the point that you would be standing in a doorway, looking into a very dark room, even as you're very clear that God is calling you to walk one step forward. And you don't know where your foot's going to land. All you know is that God told me to take a step in this direction. That's the crisis of belief. The faith that is built up inside you that God knows than my ways. Number two, the second point is that you observe your perspective or your vantage point. Maybe even the motivation behind what you are trying to get or do for God. We all find ourselves in that place that we're trying to figure out what it is that God wants us to do. How does God want us to respond or how does God want us to act? Where do you find God at work? And when you find God at work somewhere, do you spend all of your time and resources 
making that more and more and more. And let's do more of that, whatever that is. Let's find what God is doing and join him. God has done and is doing for David. He took him from a pasture and made him the ruler of Israel. At the same time, it's a reminder of what God has done and is doing for Israel. That I've been with you wherever you've gone, destroyed all of your enemies. I'm able. And you can rest there. All the enemies will be protected. Sometimes we just need a refresher of what God's doing in our life. Sometimes we miss it. But no, make no mistake, He's still there the whole time. I've heard a guy say, uh, actually I've heard it several times, about where did God go? Where did God go? God was there, according to Scripture, God is there the whole time. We're the ones that move, not God. God. God is there the whole time. We lose our way because we start to do what we think is best. And we lose direction. Isaiah eighteen nineteen says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. God's purposes are way better than our plans. Every time. No exceptions. In fact, I would be so bold to say, if we could see what God sees, we would choose that every time. If we could see what God sees, we'd do that every time. How often do you seek God? Number four, God keeps His promises. In verses 12 through 16, He reverts back to the very message that your plans may not be God's purpose for your life. Him, not David, not understanding what God was trying to do in his life and he was trying to speak through Nathan to David trying to carry a message that's very simple in scope but enormous in eternity that he would define forever the king of kings and the lord of lords that a descendant would be from his body and he would be put in place as the king of kings and the lord of lords forever who's in david's family we find out in Matthew 1 that it's Jesus. Jesus is in the lineage of David. 2 Samuel seven sixteen. Your house and your kingdom will endure before me. Your throne will be established forever. God kept His promise. In Matthew 1, it actually spells out the entire... Part. I don't know if you're like me, sometimes uh, I get the lineage and like I can't pronounce anything and I can't, my, my D group we're reading through have just finished the Old Testament and every time we get the lineages it's like yeah, yada yada yada. <laughs> 
In Matthew, though, it spells out the specifics about the lineage of David to the Savior that we worship today. So don't get caught up in the when and the how. Because when God gives a promise, the covenant was from God to David. The promise to David was he is going to establish his house forever. Not a building. People. It's about people. Doesn't mean it's going to happen in your lifetime. When God tells you something's going to happen, it may not be in the near future. It might be descendants from you. It could be something today. But the promise will be held true. I have some homework for you. I want to challenge you to do something. In chapter 7, verse, starting in verse 18, there's a prayer of thanksgiving that I want you to go home today or at some time early this week. I want you to sit down in a place where you are alone. Not a small group. Not a, alone. You and the Word of God. And you sit there, and I want you to read, starting in verse 18, the prayer that David wrote to God. And then I want, after you read that, all the way through the end of the chapter, after you read that, I want you to put, if you don't journal, you need to. So this would be a great day to start. You write down the things that God brings to your mind and the promises of God that he has given to you. Maybe that's already fulfilled or yet to come. Sometimes we forget because we get busy. We think busyness creates wealth and um, we're going to gain money or we're going to gain esteem or uh, we've got to have five posts on Facebook today, you know, or something so people recognize me. So we're busy, whatever you think busy is. And we miss the point, the very be still moment of God's presence in your life. So as we close out, our series. I want to challenge you to do that. Alone, chapter 7, starting at verse 18 through the end of the chapter, and then write down the blessings of God. Maybe even fold them up, put them in your Bible. It's a reminder of God's work in your life. As our worship team comes up, I want to end with this thought we've got to keep our eyes on God through Jesus Christ faith in his word faith in the son of God is paramount to the work of God in your life if you miss that then you think that God is there for you if you miss that point you think 
God is there for you. And a way to determine that can, can be one determination because I've, I've, I, I deal with this a lot. If, if you think that God deserves something because he's done good and I need to bless him because I owe God something, then you're missing the presence of God in your life. Totally missed it. The presence of God in your life is because you're valued by God. And the value of God is the message to you today. The presence of God needs to be evident in our life and that we recognize it. Today, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. If there are any today that you need to be in right standing with God or you need to be in right standing with each other, Scripture teaches that both are true and evident as a believer in Jesus Christ to observe the Lord's Supper. This next song is for you. It's a song of response to the message today. If there's anything you need to deal with, if there's anything that you need to talk about, we would love to talk to you about that. Or better yet, go to that person. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you need to give it. Maybe you need to receive it. This is a God time during the response to His Word. We do take prayer incredibly serious. It sounds repetitious, I know, if you're here a lot. But we, we value the time we have to spend a prayer time as staff and elders to pray for you. And there's little cards on tables. There's a cross on both sides. Simply write down those prayers. And if you want us to pray for you, pin it to the cross. And we take that in on Monday right after lunch. Every week, every week, every week. Preparation for the Lord's Supper. Let's take it serious. Father, this is your time. Take that message and do with it what you will. For it's in your name that we pray.